Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. That's right, folks. We are back. Nick McVicker hanging out with my amazing co-host, Irfan Amanji. Irfan, how you doing today, my brother? Good. It's Sunday. The sun's out. Jeez, it's not snow. It's not rain. It's the sun. I'm actually super happy about that. How you doing? I'm good. A little tired. Long week. Long yeah. week. Sounds like a long week. I worked like 55 hours over the past four days. Five days. Four days. Whatever. It's 10 plus hours a day is all I can understand it's there. A, it's been a long week. <laughs> I was at well, work. I'm not even kidding. I was at the office yesterday from nine in the morning until mm-hmm. eleven last night. Fourteen hours. Yep. It's a long okay. week, but it's worth it, man. I mean, I work. I work in sports, so it's not not all bad. That's, it's just a that's long. That's the week. life. That's the life. <laughs> not the live. The life. The life. Those of you who don't understand that joke, we were trying to tweet out, we are live, and it said, we are life. It wanted us to correct it to life. We're not well, life. sports we're is life. life. The, twi- sports the Twitter are life, knew it. But that's, yeah, that's a different <laughs> issue altogether. Um, we got a lot to talk about, dude. We missed last week. Schedules mm-hmm. were not good. One host decided to stay out really, really late on Saturday night. Yep, that was me. But for a good reason. It was a good reason, yeah. We were celebrating my buddy's engagement. Good reason. Um, we got a lot to catch up on. NBA playoffs have started. Mm-hmm. The NHL playoffs start next week. Yes. Which means we have to wrap up the NHL. Mm-hmm. Man United is making decisions, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. They're making decisions. We got a lot, a lot to talk about, my friend. Why don't we start with our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region, if you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train at the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at canadakickingacademy. Irfan, our topic of conversation today, we're going to go with United. They have named Eric Tenhag as their new manager. Starting in the summer, he will replace Ralph Rangnick. Initial thoughts. Before we delve into it a little bit, I want you what you initially thought when you heard the news. I thought a better decision instead of getting Pochettino, to be honest with you. Okay. But at, but at the same time, I kind of sat there going, you know when clubs tell you they have like two or three choices, but it always ends up being that random fourth choice that comes out of the blue. That's what I was kind of hoping for because like these two were talked about since Ali was fired, that there's two potential very good options and, you know, full credit to Ten Hag and Pochettino. But I was kind of going, I really like the Luis Enrique sort of vibe. If, if Manchester United can pick a, a coach that knows how to win, has been there to win and literally plays with Spain's national team with no striker and still plays well. So I was kind of being like, that would have been a wonderful left field choice. But at the same time, if I had the choice between Ten Hag and Pochettino, I'm going with the Ajax manager. 
Okay, fair enough. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, did you want my honest opinion when I heard the news? Tell me. I don't care. <laughs> this team run. is a mess right now. I really don't care who the manager is because whoever the manager is needs to just completely tear it down. And until they do that, it really won't man- matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Like I know that's a very cynical way to look at it. Like United is one of the best clubs in the world, and they're consistently up in the top four in the EPL. They're having a bad year yeah, this yeah. year. I, I understand that, mm-hmm. but it's true. Like this club, and the worst part is, is that the club only has like three holes. You realize that, right? There's three like, holes in the mean, roster. Like positional roles. Yeah, there's yeah. three holes in this roster. Center back. Mm-hmm. Because one, Mr. Harry Maguire keeps taking out his own teammates and causing goals against. Mm-hmm. Right? Center defensive mid, because we don't have one. Yep. And striker. Because we really don't have a true striker. I mean, Ronaldo's 37. Yeah. And he's played very well, but I don't, I never really, I've never really considered him as an out and out striker. Like he's a winger who plays striker. Yes. Right? Because Just, he doesn't that makes run sense, up and down right? the pitch. He doesn't run up and down the pitch anymore. So, yeah. No, so he's, he would be fine in a two pair, but he's not like a true striker. You know what I mean? No. No, no. So, no. there's three holes right there. The wingers, I think we're okay for wingers. We got Sancho, we got Rashford, we got. Teles, Shaw on the left. We got Juan Basaka and Dallo along the right. Right. We need or a right back Dallo. upgrade. Who's who's the other yeah. right back? Is it Dallo? Yeah. Yeah, Diego Dallo. We need a right back upgrade. We need a left back upgrade. But these are upgrades and not. Yeah, but they're not holes. holes. Yeah. Right? Our center mid with Bruno and no offense. Pogba needs to go. Gotta go. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for him right now. I do too, I really but do. it's just it's not working. It's just not working, right? He, I think he no. needs he needs to go somewhere else for his sake, and United need him to go somewhere else for their sake. Like it's just one yeah. of those. It's it's not working out. We tried it again. It worked out for a little bit, but it's it's just not there anymore. And that's fine. No. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Everyone who's like, "Oh, no. this has been a failure," if it hasn't been a failure. No, we won trophies in the first few years. He played it's extremely just, well. It's, it's just, just Mourinho's third year. Marino's third year that didn't work out for him. His, you know, his personality got in the way. His ability to play got in the way, yeah. and injuries got in the way. And unfortunately, that's how players leave clubs. Is they're not bad players. They're yeah. just not the right fit anymore. It's just, it's just not the right fit, and that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Right, as good of a player as Pogba is, he just doesn't fit anymore, and that's that's fine. There's nothing no. wrong with that. And you have Bruno there who plays a very similar style, maybe a bit higher up the pitch, because Pogba does like to sit a little bit back and get the ball and then distribute, which is totally okay. You have a top-quality player there. It's fine. You can mm-hmm. you can move on and be okay with your decision. Sure. You still have one of the best keepers in the world, and he's shown that this year, despite yep. the absolutely horrible defense that has played in front of him. Yeah, David De Gea has shown that he is a top quality keeper in the world. He is. There's one hiccup with him though, is yeah. his inability to play the ball. And so, if he works on that in the off season, I don't see him going anywhere. You know what? It's funny. I don't even think it's that bad. Like, it's not. 
there's some he people panics. who literally cannot play the ball. No, and no, he can, but he panics really quickly on pressure. So are you talking you know, about you... the one where he kicked it like straight out when the guy was like coming every at him? time, every time? I don't. You know what? As a player, I don't care yeah. about that. No, but I know. But the thing is, he gets overloaded with pressure. He can make a save because our defense is off. Oh, for sure. But he can make a save <laughs> better than I think any keeper in our yeah. in in the EPL and even in the world. I think he's one of the best shot stoppers there is. Yeah. Problem is. It's not like an Allison or Ederson where you can go, you know, we can all press up and we have a sweeper keeper who can actually distribute plus make those saves. And I think that's what's, and that's where Dean Henderson sort of comes in. So I would not be surprised if the new manager decides to pivot to Henderson a little bit more next year, just to get his style of play going. But that's fine. Dapta is still one of the best shot stoppers I've seen in a really long time. Like we're not, we're not at fault with having a good goalkeeper. We have two. No, yeah. It's just like I just don't understand how ba- how this team is so bad this year with the quality that they have in the side. And I said it from the beginning. I was not convinced Ragnick was the was the answer. We had this conversation, you and me. Mm-hmm. Ragnick may not have been the manager that would have been the right option, especially yeah. mid season. But what I do think, and I'll give him credit for this, he's gone into the locker room and been like, ah, I know what the problems are because he's that that's his mind, right? He's picked up problems. He's he's isolated the issues. And he's actually spoken about them. Like, if you look at his last three press conferences, he's called people out like Eric Bailly made a comment about not playing. And he's like, if this is true, players shouldn't be resorting to social media to explain their things. Come talk to me. I'm managing you. So he's trying to stop these little He's trans, and you're smiling because you have something to say. Go for it. Okay, Irfan, you and me already isolated the problems with this club. It doesn't take a, yes. It doesn't take a genius to go in there and do that. But the problem was every other manager in there wasn't able to get the needle moving. I think Ragnar's gone in, and because of his experience as whatever he's done, right? They're actually been like, oh, crap! Now we have to fire these people. We have to let these people go. It's time to move on." Right. And you know what role he would have been great to do that in? The front office role that he's going to take over in the summer. That or a technical director role. Front office. Yeah. That's my point, is that they brought him in to manage for half a season knowing that he's going to be in a front office role come the summer. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. If your plan is to put him as a front office person, Mm -hmm. put him as a front office office person but then he wouldn't have been able to okay but then he wouldn't have been able to identify the players that we no longer need no because you wouldn't you would have named an interim manager with him being a vital part of the team as a front office person do not name him manager the guy has not managed in three seasons prior to this year and even then he was managing a b-level squad so don't tell me that this guy is the was coming in to be a manager. That's the most ridiculous thing. He was coming no, in he to was be coming a front in, office person. He was coming in to be the on-field eyes to identify the problems right. and the right. But like I get what you're saying that he could have done this from a technical director's role or a front office role, but I think he wanted to get to know the player's mentality because he comes right. from that whole sports psychologist. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been around the team, but don't name him manager. Name him your front office position and give him full access to everything. He can sit on the bench. I don't care. But if you name him manager, 
that means that he is now in charge of everything, which is the most ridiculous thing if you're going to move him to an off uh, front office role in the summer. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That just makes no sense to me. Because now that's a third voice in less than six months that these players are going to have to listen to. As opposed to if you had named an interim manager like, who's the former player that's on the bench? Carrick, right? Uh, Michael Carrick, the one that left, right? Yeah. Or is it Darren Fletcher now? I was thinking Carrick because he was there at yeah. the time when they let um, Ollie go. Ollie go. Yeah. And then they brought in Ragnick and then Carrick left. Yes. Name Carrick your intern for the rest of the season because he already he already knows the system. He can just he can just implement it for the rest of the season. This season was lost. We knew this season was lost. It wasn't going to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we were trying to win trophies. It wasn't going to happen. No, we know that. Yeah. So let him let him manage for the the remainder of the year. Put the mm-hmm. interim tag on him. Yeah. Don't I I think put, don't put another voice in. It's just the most the, ridiculous thing. I I. I Fullheartedly agree with you on that. I thought United's best performances came under Michael Carrick in the three games that he was in charge. Yeah. The issue is, I don't think they wanted to give it back to another former player because they were not. like, well, but, but you're not because you say right at the, at the start, we're giving Carrick the remainder of the year mm-hmm. because we want to see who is available at the end of the season. Ragnick is coming in to evaluate the team to take over a front office role or to take, well, at the time, he would be taking over a front office role with the goal of evaluating the team to try to figure out who our best potential manager is. That should have been his role. Right, and we did discuss this. We did say that that would have been the logical thing, but when has United been logical in the last 10 years? And that's the problem right right there. And that's why I'm okay with, and and this is like the best case scenario is to have them, all right, come in, identify the issues, stick up for the fans, stick up for some of the players, stick up against management, be like, you guys are actually screwing this team up. And I, I like what he's done if we take away the fact that he shouldn't have been interim manager. I do like what he's done. I like the voice that he's brought to the locker room right. because he's not afraid to call out his best players. And right. our right. best players haven't been the best players this season. No, you're right. It's just I get frustrated with the fact that that's how they handled it. It just shouldn't have been handled this way. Well, you had minds like Woodward yeah, making right. these decisions, right? You're right. Unfortunately. So now I, I do hope that there's a bit of, you know, Ragnick gets that technical director-ish role and not just what they're yeah. talking about with him not being there. He's, he's going to be there once every six months or something is what his contract is. Like, no, he's only obligated to be there once every six months. By the sounds, right? Of it, he's already he's already made his decision that he's gonna be there pretty much the whole time, which is great. Well, I hope so. Again, like I have no problems with Ragnick. I need to make that very clear. I don't think he's a bad, bad soccer mind. I guess is the word that I'm looking for. No, I just didn't understand the appointment of manager just to take him out of that role in six months. Like no. that just seems silly. They were they were under the impression that because you know Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp all sort of came out from his prodigy and his sort of mind and right. mindsets and thinking that he could have come in and done that. But you're right. Like he hasn't coached in a while. And the last well, team but, he coached wasn't at top thing, level. Yeah. But the other thing is that, yes, those guys came from those, that position, but you are not giving him the interim manager role. You are mm-hmm. naming him manager for six months. You, there was yeah. no chance that he was going to be extended because you already had the other deal in place. Mm-hmm. Right. If they had mm-hmm. just named him interim manager and didn't announce that they were moving into a front office role in the summer, it's a different yeah. conversation you and me are having. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but it's the fact that they said that they he was going to a front office role at the end of the season. So that's it felt what like bugs both. me the most is because you already yeah. know what role you want him in, and now you're putting him in in a different role. Yeah, or well, I mean, he did beginning. ask. He did ask to coach. And you know what? I get that, but if you have identified him as a front office person, why mm-hmm. are you giving him that role? Because that's not the role that you want him for. That's not the role that you see him fitting in your club. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I haven't made decisions that make sense to any of us. And that's, well, that's the problem. But that's where that's, I, that's why I've been so against Ragnick being the manager. Not against him. Because again, I think he's a great soccer mind. Yeah, but, but maybe just, from a different perspective. Yeah, he's just not... That's not the role you want him in. So all you're doing is confusing the team. You're confusing yeah. the, the players. Like, why, why do that to yourself? For players who, to me, have kind of tapped out for a few months now. And right? like they've tapped The season's out. lost. Which is funny to say because they're, what, seventh? Sixth? Sixth. <laughs> they're sixth. They'll, they'll, the go in, they'll play in a Europe. They'll play in Europe. They just will play in a lower Europe league. Like, yeah, at that point, like, you know what? Just shut up and so play. It's so funny to say that, though. They're sixth in the league, and the season's lost. Yes, that's what because the, that's what the expectations were. Well, the expectations with three good signings was to be a top three, top four team. Yeah. I was just talking with somebody about this this week. I'm like, United were supposed to be battling for third. Yes. Potentially pipping second if one of the top two teams struggled a little bit, which they haven't, yeah. so it wasn't going to happen. But... No, that's what that was. What we talked about preseason. We we also said that Chelsea might be the team to to win the the, the championship this year because of their depth, right? We said so, we said that they had the potential, but yes. it was still City, Liverpool as the number yeah. as one and two, and then it was sure. going to be United and Chelsea three four in some capacity. Um, some capacity, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it, I mean that's why it's the disappointment is you don't expect them to not being a champions league spot you want them to be one and two but unfortunately we are six to seven to ten years behind some of the really good teams and i say those those are long years but you can see the development that it's taken for city and for you're at least and, two, you're at least two years behind at yeah, least about four four transfer windows ish behind yeah, four transfer windows two years potentially even three yeah can oh, i ask you a question oh, actually sorry sorry i have one question Eric Ton Hag, this is just on my mind. Yeah. He came out of the Bayern system, yeah. right? He he played under, like he coached under Pep Guardiola, then made his move over to the Netherlands. When Bayern Munich had a coaching opportunity last year, how come he wasn't considered for it? Like, I don't, I haven't looked into this. I was just very curious to see this. Like they, they chose Julian Nagelsmann and full credit to him. I think he's a wonderful manager in the right decision. But I'm surprised that Bayern didn't consider this like Aaron Hogg, especially because he knew the system and he knew the players and he knew the youth coming out of it. So that's kind of why I, I was, I, just to defend a little bit of the Luis Enrique sort of mindset that I had was if they didn't choose him, what's, what's the catch? What's the catch 22 on this? So just, just a final thought. If oh. anyone knows why that decision came up, cause I didn't, I didn't look into it. It's just well, something I mean, that he, he through managed my mind. at Byron two. The U23s. Well, they listed as Bayern too. Yeah. And he was having success with Ajax. So I don't know if he wanted to leave last summer. Right. But what did you go back to a team that's calling you? Like, I don't even know if they no, made I, the call. I, they, they might not have called him, but they, they might have had 
they might have had Nagelsmann as their guy, right? Sometimes right. you have that guy, and that's that's the only person you call because you get a yes right away, mm-hmm. right? So maybe he was on the short list. Maybe he was top three. Had Nagelsmann, I guess, said no, they would have gone. They, they could. We don't know. Obviously, we weren't. No, exactly. Like I don't know the internal thing. I'm just curious to see why a guy who knew the Bayern system, knew the coaching staff, knew the the management there, knew all the very good players. And they still went for a different player, a maybe, different manager. Maybe it was who, just a decision that they wanted to give another voice an opportunity, right? For sure. Maybe they were no, worried, just, maybe they were worried that they were getting stale. Possible. I'm not saying possible. Yeah. No. No. I'm just. I'm just curious to see why they would. Yeah. They went over him or why he said no if there was a conversation. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear. I don't know. That's Sorry, a great you question you would ask in a press yeah. conference. Yeah. <laughs> Oliver uh, Kahn, I have a question for you. <laughs> That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. Let's keep it rolling. NBA playoffs are here. And boy, has the first round been interesting. Not necessarily going to say entertaining because not all the, the series have been, but we're going to go with interesting, Irfan, and let's start with the Raptors because, you know, cool. kind of our job. Mm-hmm. They're on the brink here, buddy. They are on the brink. But I will say they have looked better the last two games. Game three, they lost in a very disappointing fashion. They were up by a few. Yeah. In the first half, which means nothing in basketball. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> They they let that one slip away. There's no doubt so. about it. They let that one slip away. Yeah. But game four, they came out and they played really, really well. Scotty Barnes coming back was nice. Looked like a difference maker. Which is crazy to say for a rookie. <laughs> um Van Vliet went out injured in the second quarter, I believe. Yeah. Second quarter. Something like that. He was not impressed. With a hip strain. He was not happy. Did you see him rip his jersey? Do you know how hard it is to rip a jersey? No, he was super emotional. Like, that's that's tough to do. Hmm. The other thing we learned about this team is that they are under Joel Embiid's skin and are completely in his head. Completely in his head. Now, granted, I will give Embiid full credit. That three-point shot to win game three was a very, very good shot. That's a tough make, shot. But he's making his shots. He's getting into the paint the way he wants to right. be. He's playing his game, and, and that's why he but should Irfan. be... Yes. I don't care who yes. he is. Yeah. Point guard through center. A catch-and-shoot, fade-away three-pointer from the elbow... Is a tough shot for anybody with 0.9 oh, sure. seconds on the shot clock. For sure. I have problems with that inbound, though. There was a lot of problems. I think it was, was it Alvin Williams that's on the call with uh, Matt Devlin? Yep. Okay, so Alvin Williams is like, I would stick my biggest guy right in front yeah. of Danny Green on that pass, and it didn't happen. I don't know what they were doing, and MB was, just got so loose. There's two, there's two schools of logic on those inbound plays. Okay. Either you put the big guy there and you play man-to-man on the other four. Right, mm-hmm. that's the one school, and that's what Alvin was saying, and a lot of people have agreed with him. I'm not saying that that's not a bad decision, and you know what? It yeah. was probably the decision that they needed to make. 
the other school of thought is you let that person be free because they can't move, right? They're not going yeah. anywhere. And what yeah. you do is you have a rover uh, so that you can double team the one guy that you're most worried about or so that you can protect the rim. Right. Right. So that's the but other point nine seconds left. I think and that's at that why point they were was... trying to, but that's why they were trying to protect the rim. Cause they thought it was going to be thrown up towards the rim and it was going to be like a tip in sort of thing. Cause there's point nine on the shot clock. There's not a whole mm. lot of time to catch, set, shoot. They're like, screw um, it. Well now, now we saw it. <laughs> there's not a lot of time, but MB did the perfect catch, set, shoot, right? Like, it's very hard to defend perfect. It was literally a perfect shot from MB. It was. It was. I'm not taking away from the shot. I'm just saying that what I understood on that inbound was I think I would have gone, you know, man to man and just stick whoever. I agree with you. The biggest I agree guy. With you. I'm just saying because that would have shaved steps. so Because the thing was, it would have been a catch and then he would have, like, that player would have had to turn, whereas MB just got open. Yeah. And it was just a simple pass, right? So that was my issue with that thing. So. I, I don't blame Nurse, though, because I think he's just been given what he has and, you know, that's what happens. Try. And yeah. And, and when you're when you're, you know, blowing leads, I think that's where the issue is. And, I, and, and game three showed me where how important Scotty Barnes is to the squad. Game four showed me how important Scotty Barnes is to the squad. Yeah, I didn't, well, not reali- I didn't in- realize it in game three, but I realized it after game four. Well, we need a difference maker. OG was fantastic in game three. But had he not been, you would have been like, uh, yeah, I can still see we need another. We need a guy who can play the full court. No, but I'm, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I didn't realize how important Scotty was until game four. True. Right? Like, in yeah, game yeah. three, I couldn't really figure out why we let that one slip away. Because mm-hmm. we have a good defensive team. Like, that's that's the thing that we've prided ourselves on all year. For sure. Raptors is For sure. Our, our defensive game. So I didn't realize until game four how important that player is. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they can win a couple more and make this a really close series? They go I to Philly. So. They play on Monday. And B is nursing so. a thumb injury, by the way. I hope so, because Harden has been shut down fairly effectively. I think the Raptors doing a good job they've, on him. They've turned him into a passer. Um, the guy who went off in Game One, Maxie. I think he's their biggest concern right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Is how do you slow him down? Because he's abil- his ability to to see the court, pass the ball, play any sort of play, and still be able to put up a shot, right? Like that's what they expected from Ben Simmons, and they're getting it from this guy. So to be fair, like I I would f- try and get, slow him down, put someone on him that's just as fast that will get in his face, and because at the end be of the day, league. like it should be if he's healthy. Yeah, or Malachi. That was the other option too. Yeah, just get someone in his face, slow him down, make Wait, it hard Delano. for him. Let's make Delano Banton the shutdown point guard. Let's do it. I'm you have nothing in. to lose. It's three one in the series. In. Listen, uh, Nick, I think it was Nick Nurse who said something really interesting. They're like, no one's ever won from three zero. He's like, yeah, but people have gotten to three one, and that's our goal. Yeah. And next no, game, take it a next, game by game, which I love. And they should forget about the first three games. Forget about game three um, and focus on on the next thing. I mean, if you can force Embiid not to put up a shot. You can do it. But Maxie's the guy that you got to they got to slow down, I think, personally. Absolutely. Uh, he 100% is. And he's he looked really, really good. I was at the game. I was courtside Thursday or not Thursday, Wednesday for game mm-hmm. three. He looked good. He looked good. And he doesn't seem to be scared. Mm-mm. Which is great. 
for Philly. Um, but yeah, I, I, Barnes looked very, very strong in that game yesterday. I expect more of it to happen. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that he can continue to be healthy because they missed him games one through three. There, there's no doubt about it. They missed him. Yeah. I can see this going to three two, and then game six is for me. Is it going to be a top toss up? I think if you can get if you can get Philly out. tired, yeah. If you can get Philly t- tired and batter down a little bit, you're going to help Miami or if, whatever happens. There. If if they win game five and come home, I have yeah. no I have no qualms that they could win game six for sure. And then it's one it's a one game series. Right. I'm sure. not going to say the Raptors are going to pull off the impossible, right? Or sorry, no. not the impossible, but the very, very highly un- improbable that is coming de- back from three zero. Yeah, it's never happened before. No, but who knows, right? Like game, the big game is Monday. They win Game Five. This is a new series because you're coming home. The fans will be electric in Scotiabank Arena on Monday. Yeah. And all you need is one. Yeah. I mean, you treat game five as game seven. Then you do the same thing with game six. And then all you need is one. All you need is one. Listen, I don't like you're right. I don't know if it'll happen because it's it, it hasn't been done. But done. I would not put it past an, uh, a Toronto Raptors team to make it a fair fight. I wouldn't put it past a Nick Nurse left Toronto's Raptors team. To make it a fair fight. Yeah. But you're going to need Pascal to hit those 30-plus points. You're going to need yeah. Scotty to get a double-double. You're going to need Fred to get some assists going. Like It's going to be all hands on deck. Absolutely. And the bench has to come out. Absolutely. Um, but I'm proud of this team. I really am super proud of this team. And this I know team like, was, This team was expected to win 36 games this year going into the season. It was a play-in team, right? Play-in at best. Yeah. They ain't no play-in team, boy. There ain't no playing team. Um, switching gears here to another Eastern Conference series. And mm-hmm. the team that everyone was so afraid of coming into the playoffs is about to get swept. Potentially. Potentially about to get swept. They play tomorrow mm. at 7. Ben Simmons will be there. Yes, but the guy hasn't played all year. Listen, I don't, I don't care how good of a player you are. If you have not played all season and your first game is in game four of a playoff series that your team is about to get swept in, how much impact are you really going to have? I play like nine minutes max. Yeah, maybe 15 if he's playing well. Hmm. Right? Like he's not, unless, unless it's a close game and they want him in there to try to be a good defender because that's all he's going to be tomorrow. Yeah. I'm okay with saying that. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not ripping on Ben Simmons, but like, how impactful do you think you're actually going to be? Yeah. How how much are they thinking about that Harden trade and going crap? Because I think if they have James Harden, I, I don't think the series is 3-0. I do. Really? They haven't gotten anything from anyone outside of Kyrie, really. Right, but then they would have had... KD's looked bad. I uh, shut Katie down. Katie defense in game game two just looked horrible. I will give credit to Udoko Udoka as their head coach here because I've seen him all season and 
for some reason, that defensive unit, they, they understand that to win this, like Marcus Smart is your defensive player of the year, right? There's a reason like, for that. Right? You look at the way they shut down, like you're seeing Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all playing defense really well, and then also contributing offensively, which to me is a good mark of a, a very good team. Will they get swept at home? No. I'm not I'm sure. Not, I don't think they will, to be honest. I think they no, would. I think it's going to go back to the garden. I think it's going to go back to the garden. And it'll be a gentleman sweep and not a sweep sweep. But I think the uh, I think the Celtics have been okay with letting Kyrie go off and do whatever he has to do, but then shutting everyone else down. Yeah. And no one's come on and been impactful. Like that, that I keep referring back to game two, but the defensive play that they did to shut down was a game one. But it was making sure Kyrie doesn't get a shot away, making sure KD doesn't get a shot away on that good game, defense. That was game two. That was game two. Yeah. And now I'm going to go back earlier in the game when Marcus Smart is like, I don't know what the Nets are doing. They all went into the other end of the court and Kyrie's trying to inbound it with, with nobody to get the ball to. It's just solid defense all around. And I was like, for me, that's the moment that's going to make it not just shutting them down in game two, but like that moment that Marcus Smart took away the ball. I was like, I actually think the Celtics might win this series because the Nets can't play. Like, it just doesn't seem good. Yeah. Listen, I saw this stat earlier today, and this is what yes. kind of blew me away. Are you ready for this? Yes. Kevin Durant in his last two games, so game two and game three, okay. has zero makes in the second half of game two. Zero. Zero made shots in the second half of game two. And zero shot attempts in the last 11 minutes of game three. And this Why? is your MVP caliber player? Why? This is your MVP caliber player for the Brooklyn Nets, and he didn't take a single shot in the last 11 minutes of a game that ended 109-103. That's a problem. Do we know why he didn't get the ball and take the shot? It doesn't say he didn't get the ball. The stat is he didn't take a shot. But but why? That is a great question, Irfan. And if I had an answer for you, I would be on ESPN's uh, broadcast of the NBA. Because I, I would have an answer that no one else does. Right. But that, see, I didn't know that stat. I, a, I know that he str- I struggled. Yeah, he struggled in, in the last like the last quarter of game two. And I saw that. I was like, okay. But I didn't I didn't recognize that in the in game three. I did not. Yeah. Zero makes in the second half of game two. Zero. And zero attempts in the last 11 minutes. That's crazy. This is the a guy, guy who's who, supposed to be a leader, your, your points leader, every single night. Well, the guy who's... If not everyone's, second. Well, the guy who everyone goes, he might be better than LeBron, right? That's a conversation yeah. that keeps this happening. Is, is he better to be than the Steph best Curry? Shooting, he's a, supposed to be the best scorer in NBA history. A lot of people have touted him as the best pure scorer in NBA history. And he's not taking a single attempt in the last 11 minutes of a playoff game that your team is about to go down 0-3? Are you kidding me? I mean, does that say that he's just not getting the look? Or does that tell you that the Boston defense is taking away his look? I think it has to be both. Yeah. Because I saw some of the replays. I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch the game last... Oh, was it last night? When did they uh, play? Yeah, last night. They minutes. played last night. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I'll be honest. I was working all day, right? And it wasn't one of the games that was up on our extra TVs. I saw the replays. 
He kept trying to pass out. All the time. He didn't look like he even wanted to shoot. And he had multiple turnovers because, A, his passes weren't very good. Um, I just, I don't get it. He had 16 points in game three. This is this an injury thing? Like, is he injured? Something up? Is he is he lost his confidence? Like, something seems, something seems off. Irfan, how many shots? How many field goal attempts do you think he took in the entirety of Game Three? No, I we know he didn't take a single shot in the last eleven minutes. Entirety of Game Three, four. No, four or five. Higher than that. Oh, double like, digits. Okay. ten. Yeah, it's eleven. Attempts. Okay. He made six. So you're shooting 54%. How many shot attempts should somebody of his caliber be taking? Oh, like blink of an eye, 25 or more. I was going to say 20. Yeah. Like 20. Well, for him, he should be taking more than everybody. Like the ball should be in his hand, not just Kyrie's. Yeah. Guess how many Kyrie took? 20 plus? 17. No. Your two best players so- combined for 28 shot attempts. Did anyone else led the team, the team more... in shot attempts? So who led them in shot attempts? Bruce Brown, who also led the team in points with 26. That's not good. That's not good. To put it into perspective, on the flip side, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown both had 15 and 16 shot attempts, respectively. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum had 29. Remember that issue a couple of months ago, even last year, where they're like, Tatum wants the ball every time? I think he deserves the ball every time. Right now he does. Big shots are... Hmm? Right now he does. It's not even close. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like somebody, I think it was TNT, made a comment that that I think Jason Tatum is becoming the next big thing, if he hasn't already, and he's overshadowing Kevin Durant. Yeah. The funny thing, though, is he also understands when his game is not going well. Because in game two, he had 16 shot attempts. He only made five of them. Yep. And Jalen Brown had 18. He knows when his game isn't, isn't firing. He gets it. No. Whereas Kevin Durant sh- shot the ball 17 times in the first in the, in the game on game two and only made four. Yeah, something's up. Something's not right, man. Something's not nope. right. Uh, last, last series that I want to talk about quickly. And I mean quickly, we're going to wrap this up quick. Uh, Tebow's Grizz. Man, this has been a fun series, dude. This has probably been the most entertaining series out of all eight in the first round. Yeah. Which I don't think any of us expected. No, the Tebow's, every game they win, it feels like they've won the championship. So, (laughs) Well, they're also 3-0 in the play-in slash playoffs when a, a fan does a protest on the court. That is also true. Was this the was it their series where the lady tied herself up to the yep with with the chain and they had to yep. like try and prior no it's fine I don't know if it was I don't think it was in this series I think it was in the play playing game no because they won the first playing game yep. so yeah it was this series because the first yeah. game of the, the of the playoffs the playing game was the one yeah. where the girl glued her arm to the floor oh there was another one that and had then like, the next up game to yeah the next game in Minnesota. Yeah. They chained 
The girl eh. chained herself to the basket, and then last night they had another protest. And they won last night, too. <laughs> they've won one, They've won three games in the yeah. last five, right? Playing yeah. with the Clippers. Yeah. yeah. But it's just funny that all three of their wins in the playoffs, someone has done a protest. So are we expecting... What's the bet on Game Five's protest? Are we... It's in Memphis, so... Oh. Oh, Game 6. Game 6, yes. Game 6, like, 98%. <laughs> But you know something like, at the same time, the, nobody thought the Grizzlies would be a a top two team in the West, right? Like that wasn't the plan. That wasn't what right. was predicted. So, I mean, these teams are trying to make a name for themselves. The Grizzlies here with John Morant trying to say, "Hey, like that wasn't a fluke." And then Timberwolves with with Cat going, uh, kind of looks like it was. Yeah, and he, and they're looking good. It's fun. It's like. Remember when Andrew Wiggins was on the Timberwolves and we're like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. And now Timberwolves have figured it out. look very good in Golden State. I will. I think the change with people that actually want him there <laughs> says a lot too. Well, I don't, I don't think they Plus didn't being want around... him in Minnesota. Hold on. I, I, I would like to argue that. I don't think that they didn't want him in Minnesota. Right? Like, I, think I think at hit... the end of it. They were a little frustrated at the beginning when he was struggling. It wasn't that they didn't want him. I think he was just not he didn't feel comfortable there. He didn't. He didn't mm-hmm. mesh right away, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of so, sucks. I meant sort of at the end of his tail, and they were kind of yes, happy to absolutely. be like, "Yeah, we I, need to reset there." Yeah, I agree. but then going to Golden State and and coming into practice and looking at Clay and Steph and Draymond and Iguodala and Jordan Steve Poole. Kerr, and you're like, "Yeah, Jordan Poole," and you're like, "Ah, I may have to pull up my game." Yeah, you know, and he's, he's a great bench guy. He's, found he's a, a great role. bench guy. Got to yeah. find your role, man. On your role, anyways. That was besides the point. Not what we were talking about. <laughs> Got to get the Andrew Wiggins love in. Go Canada. Uh, but yeah, this Minnesota Memphis series has been fun. Both teams are throwing haymakers. It feels like every game. Huh. This is this is a seven game series to me. I hope so. I want to see it go to seven. I would love to see it go to seven. It'd be so much fun. You had another series that you mentioned quickly that. Uh, what it was. The game in Atlanta the other night, uh, yes. Heat Atlanta, that was that was just yes. ridiculous. I mean, the Heat were up by a a mile, like they were gone. But then I think in a span of seven minutes, the Hawks went on a twenty-one to seven run, and Trey Young was just hitting threes from like Dam- Damian Lillard uh, range at one point, and you're like, okay, this guy's hot. This game's done. So if that continues, I think the Heat will have some trouble. I know I know Kyle Lowry left a game, and I think that's when the game sort of pivoted a little yeah. bit in, in the favor of the Hawks. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Eric Spolster knows how to get out of these situations. So I'm not too worried about them, but Trey Young went off. That whole that whole uh, Hawks team was like, we're going to shoot from everywhere. And it yep. worked. Yep. So very good series. Very entertained. I love the crowd just jumping up and down. Even the, like, I think it was split. Uh, on court side between the Heat fans and the, and the yeah. Hawk fans, and both of them were just cheering on both sides at one point because it was like, "Holy crap, what is this game?" Yeah, so, Lowry I don't know is questionable for Game Four, by the way. Yeah, so the the could be the mind, it could be, but I think Spolster will have a backup plan instead of getting yeah. caught off guard during the game. I, I know, but like that could be an issue. Yeah, <laughs> kind of brought him in to be your point guard and I'm gonna play Game Four. That's yeah, I think Hero was was leading the point guard for most of the game after yeah. that. Which wasn't wasn't bad, not but bad, I mean, you still need well, someone. That's a, that's a demotion, right there. Like that that is a downgrade. 
Um, quickly, we got to talk NHL because the season is rounding out. Like it's Leafs lightning yes. on a collision course for round one. It's not confirmed yet, but that's that's the most likely scenario right now. I think it's like nine or seventy five percent or something. Yeah. Guaranteed that it's going to be these two. Um, good matchup for the Leafs. Bad matchup for the Leafs. What do you think? Let's forget about the midweek game. That was, <laughs> that was 8-1. That was a bad Jesus game. Christ. Like, like You look at everything about that game. It's a messed up lineup. It's Shalgren and Nett. Uh, Matthews wasn't even playing. Like You kind of knew that was coming, right? And, Tam- you know? and then Tampa Bay Stars were like, ah, let's go out there and actually flex a little bit, right? Yeah. You knew and that's what it seemed like. And the fight and the, the roughness, I was like, it felt like a playoff game to begin with. I mean, last night's game against the, the Florida Panthers also felt that like a playoff like game. A playoff game. Right? Like, the, the Tampa Bay game felt like game three of a series where you're trying to get the next win. Like, it's 1-1, one, one, and you're trying to find that winner. That's what it felt like. And then the, the Florida series was like a game six sort of atmosphere where you're like, it's just back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, two very good tests for the Leafs. And I know they end the season with boston so that's another bit a nice little thing just before the playoffs to test where there are uh, mentally i think that's the biggest question for the least is where are you at mentally because you can lose all these games or win all these games but are you ready to play playoff hockey yeah um no, and it looked like they were um i mean campbell wasn't bad he was moving around the crease really well last night so that's a good sign for for the leafs but um i think one thing that they're gonna have to be careful with is if you're tired you can't be running in trying to make a play like that that the one that led to the the florida goal sorry it kind of went off a little bit but no, the florida goal it was john Tavares was gas and he still tried to go down and so was nylander on that play i would have been like just turn around oh, slow it down game winner last night on the game winner yeah like they were both gassed and it was like but you know what that's, I, I get that's i get it's three on three. three on three listen i get it's three on three i know it's over time but you know what? Just slow it down. Bring on fresh legs and keep going because they were both exhausted coming back, yeah. and that led to the two-on-one. Right. Well, what, so, what I'm saying about that goal is three-on-three overtime in a game that literally means nothing. Like you're both right. Of these teams, both of these teams are kind of locked into their two roles. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't mind that. But I get what you're saying. When it comes to playoff time, that's one of the. That's when you have to. Okay, we're gonna go back, reset, get the fresh legs out there, and try again. Right? That I, I agree hope, with you one hundred percent. And that's why I keep saying the mentality thing is like, if with three, four games left in the season, that's what you should be thinking about is how do I make sure that there's right. fresh legs coming on because we need to come in waves. Right. And Fair so that's that's my biggest thing. But uh, that Leafs Lightning series, back to your question, is gonna look fun. I'm I, I hope that's the series because I think the Leafs can go toe to toe with the defending Stanley Cup champs. I think they have the skill set. I think their defense is much better than they were last year. Um, I think Campbell's pretty good the last couple of days. So yeah. run he with looked, that. He looked really good against Florida. His like, side that was the best we've seen good. him in a while. Yeah. Um, the East, all eight teams are locked in, by the way. It looks like mm-hmm. we're going to have as I said, it's going to be Toronto, Tampa is the most likely. Florida looks like they're probably going to end up playing Washington, although it could end up being Boston, depending on how those two teams finish out the season. Yeah. Carolina, who I thought was a guaranteed lock to finish first in the Metro, might be struggling down the stretch here because the Rangers are two points back with three games to go for both teams. So that could flip-flop, but everyone's locked in. We know the eight teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The West, on the other hand, are fun. <laughs> There are still three spots to play for. 
How exciting. But congratulations to the Oilers and the Flames. Battle yes, of Alberta two Canadian teams is locked in. Yeah. And they um, won't play each other first round. The chance we get an all-Canadian matchup in the Pacific Division final yes. go to the Western Conference final. Yes. Guarantee one team in the play, in the Western final. Um Big story, obviously, Vegas is out right now. Three, uh, Four points back of Dallas and Nashville for the two wildcard spots because Nashville and mm-hmm. Dallas are both tied for those spots right now on 93 yep. points. No Robin Leonard the rest of the year for Vegas. Mm-hmm. Is this the year the Vegas Golden Knights do not make the playoffs for the first time ever? Yes. You're going to call it? So the three, you're saying Kings, Nashville, and Dallas are going to get those last three spots. I think so. There's seven points behind... The Kings with four games thing, and they haven't been great down the stretch. Like, okay, fine, six, three, and one, but and the Kings are still playing. The Kings are going to be fine, but it's the other two teams where they're four points back with a game in hand on Dallas. Agreed, but I think you look at the Preds and you look at Dallas, and I can't see them give up that spot unless they all they lose the next four games. Yeah, Dallas, which is possible, two. Who is Dallas playing down the stretch here? Uh, they play <laughs> they play the Golden Knights next. So that's a huge game. Yeah. And then they end the season with the Yotes and the Ducks. Okay. So I think, you know, we'll see how that game goes, but see the Golden Knights record, uh, who they play down the thing. They play the Stars, they play the Hawks, and they play the Blues. So they play two teams that are currently in a playoff spot. And, and the, the Preds, Sharks tonight. And the Sharks tonight. And then the Preds, the Preds have the Wild tonight. They have Calgary next. They have the Colorado Avalanche after that. Ooh. And then the Coyotes. They have three Ooh, that's solid three tough games. So I think if anyone might fall out, it could be the Preds. Could be the Preds. Could be. Because they'd have to win at least three of those. How is the Kings not technically clinched a spot? Because there's four games oh, left for four, and they're only so. I think if okay, I, yeah, I think I the you. Kings they need one point basically. If, well, the Kings get a point off of the Kraken on Wednesday. Yeah, they need. One but by point. then, I think we'll know. I think we'll know if they've clinched or not. Because if Vegas loses, I mean, yeah, Vegas loses. Then there you go. That's a huge blow to a Vegas team that was. They have a good roster. There's no doubt about it. You look at that forward group. That's a good roster. Yep. And they're not. Even, it looks like they might fall out of the playoffs. It's kind of. It's a shock to me. It is the best way to put it. It is a shock. I mean, it, it shows you how important a one A one B might be, or or being it able just to shows you how important goals. health is. I think yes, this year more than anything, too. right? Like think about how yeah. many of their big stars have missed significant time this year. Stone patches. Uh, Eichel coming I, in. Well, Eichel. It took him a while to finish get back into it. But I just mean, like, he didn't start the season. So he came in halfway through and was still already hurt. So I won't won't say Eichel in this conversation just because I'm talking about guys who started the season, got hurt, and have been trying to get healthy. Uh, Leonard, obviously, is a big one. Didn't Pietrangelo miss miss some time, too? When you have your big guys getting hurt, that's it causes some problems. Um, Two... Races still up for grabs are the uh, point total and goal total races as well. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Connor McDavid currently leading the Art Ross race with 116 points, but he's only two up on Jonathan Hubert Dole, who has been on fire lately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Johnny Goudreau is sitting there at 111 as well, so like it's not out of the realm of possibility if he goes off in his last three games or four, however many games Calgary yeah. has left, he yeah. could, he could put his name in that as well. Um, Rocket Richard race is a little bit, I don't want to say figured out, a little bit more figured out, but it's it's closer to being figured out. Matthews four goals clear with three games for him and Dreisaitl, who's at 54. I think Kreider's out of it, unless he has three hat-tricks in his last three games. I don't think he's going to catch Matthews. I'm not saying it's impossible, folks. I want to make that very clear. It is possible. I just don't see it happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Matthews probably has that one locked up. I would say so, unless Dreisaitl decides, because I think out of... Kreider and Drysdale. Drysdale might be the most obvious choice for three hat tricks in the in the last couple of games. I think I could see that happening. But um, no, I think Matthews hit sixty, and then that's all we're looking at. I think he has the potential to hit sixty. Yeah, I mean they have three games left. I think mm-hmm. the Leafs. All right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Needs two goals in three yeah. games. Not impossible for him. Calgary nope. has four games left. It's a couple yeah. it's it, the the trophy's not his yet. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed, but at least it's still it's most likely going to Matthews. Whereas the Art Ross, I could literally see it going to two of those guys, just depending <laughs> on how they finish the season between Matthews right. or McDavid and Huberto. Because yeah. Huberto has been on fire. Look how fantastic here for him and, and the Panthers in general. Yeah. Barkov is so great. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad that Barkov is getting overshadowed by Huberto. I know it's uh, the point total is not even comparable this year. Barkov only has 88 points. And notice only that I just 88. said only 88 <laughs> points. I know. <laughs> because we're talking about Huberto with 114. Yeah. Right? It's not that Barkov's having a bad year. He's having a very good year. He's over a point per game pace. He has 39 goals this season. But Jonathan Huberto has 84 assists. Hi. Wow. What was my point total for Barkov there, Irfan? Yeah, 88. 88. Huberto has 84 assists. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. He is not only leading the league in assists, he's leading the league by 10 in assists over Artemi Panarin. Yeah. Red man. And in his last three games, Huberto has six points. How many of those do you think were goals? Two. Zero. Oh, all assists. All all apples. In his last five games, he has nine points. How many do you think are goals? One. Two. He had had two goals against Winnipeg. (laughs) I should have asked that question first. You almost had it. I'll give you you half credit. (laughs) Thanks, thanks. He's had... You know what's crazy? Mm. Oh, my God. I'm going to count here. One, two, three, four. 17. In his last 17 games, Irfan. Mm-hmm. How many do you think he has not had a point in? One. One game. Yeah. I bet you you will never be able to guess which team it was against. 
the Islanders. Okay. Great. You know what though? The wings are been, the wings have been playing decent hockey. You know what? I believe it. That's fine. No, but like if I told you that if I mean the list of teams, okay, that he's played mm-hmm. in the last seventeen. The Anaheim Ducks, Montreal okay. Canadiens, Ottawa Senators, Toronto Maple Leafs. They played Montreal again. Chicago, New Jersey, Buffalo, Toronto again, Buffalo again, Nashville, Anaheim again, Winnipeg, Detroit, Islanders, Detroit, Toronto. I can think of many teams on that list that I would guess he would have not maybe had a point against. Detroit would not have been at the top of my list. Toronto would have been at the top of my list. Nashville would have been up there. Winnipeg probably would have been more up there. But no, it's Detroit. The team that has given up 11, 10, 9, 8, and 7 goals in games this year. But then also scored, like, for fun as well. I know. <laughs> These guys. But <laughs> for fun, fun, this is the first time in NHL history that a team has given up every number between 1 and 11 in a game. They're a special group. <laughs> special. Special. But. All right, Ross, Rocket's still up. Who wins Hart, then? If Jonathan Huberdeau gets tied, let's say, in points with, with Conor McDavid at the end of the season, is he your Hart Ross trophy winner? The Art Ross? No, the Hart. Sorry, Hart. Hart. Sorry, Hart. You said Hart Ross. That's why I was confused. I'm, like, I'm confused. I don't know. Them with, <laughs> no, I don't the Hart trophy. Because, um, like, yeah, yeah, Matthews leading the league is great, but, like, Huberdeau's done it on both sides as well. Yeah, because I mean, McDavid's most valuable player in the league. I have no problem giving that to him, but that's, I think that this would, season, that's what the heart is. No, no, but I mean, oh, like okay. overall, like over a course of like the year. But I have no issue going to you that if you take Jonathan Huberdeau out of Florida, I think you kind of wor- start to worry more than if you take Connor McDavid out because Leon Drysaddle will right. just be that. I, I will. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I, I get your point. Yeah, like I mean, like I think Dryson is a better Florida number a two. Deep, yes. yes, but I think Florida's deeper as a team. They are, Whereas especially with adding Edmonton, They're they're not as deep. No, but I meant like so. But we know the value of McDavid over the yeah the years that yeah, he's yeah, been yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. I think this season, I would say from season by season, that's what they do. I mean, Huberto might be the most valuable player. Fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. I I'm think, trying to trying to. I, I think there's so I many decisions. Think it still goes to Matthews. Really? Yes. Okay. Because he is going to hit 60, which hasn't been ha- which hasn't happened in how many years? I know lot COVID shortened seasons and kind of wiped those out, but 60 mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often. Nope. Right? He's also one of the best defensive centermen in the league right now. The way he's played I'll this him, year. I give him Whereas that. Whereas Huberto's yeah. a winger. Yeah. Right? So if we're talking pure value to his team and the way that he was able to legitimately dominate games by himself sometimes when the Leafs mm-hmm. second, third, and fourth lines just were not doing anything. Matthews and Marner were able to dominate games because Matthews was so good defensively, turned it around, and then went up the ice with Marner and was able to do stuff offensively. Mm-hmm. So I think this season alone, mm-hmm. he is 
the most valuable player to his team. The most sure. the most impressive player in the season to me is Huberto. But the most valuable to his team is Matthews. And that's two different two different things. So that's why for for sure. me, no, no, I, I mean Matthews. That's fine. Like I mean, I don't think I'd argue with anyone getting it if they're leading something or playing yeah. well. Like I don't think it's it, you can't go wrong. Like I mean, if someone said Roman, Roman Yossi is your most valuable player he's fourth in the league, that matters. I would be like, I also wouldn't mind that either because I yeah. think he's been wonderful. So anyway, I think he's fourth to me. Yeah, Yossi. I think it's Matthews, Huberto, Shesterkin, Yossi, McDavid. Mm. This season. Just for this season, by the way, folks. I would like to point that out. I don't want people jumping at me. Oh, well, McDavid's better. I not the conversation we're having. It's not a different conversation. Not what we're talking about here, folks. All right, Irfan, let's wrap this up. We got to get out of yep. here. Yep. Final thought for the week. Hit me with it. Um, would you like me to question. go first? Yeah, go first. League One Ontario started this week for footy fans here in the great province of Ontario. I love League One. It's a lot of fun to watch. If you get an opportunity, watch some of the games. I'm actually calling the women's game later today for Guelph Union. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a fun league, and this is where some of the CPL players are cutting their teeth before they get to the CPL. Mm-hmm. Right, This league, BC, League, uh, league One, BC, and... What is currently called the Premier League de Soccer de Quebec, which will be called League One Quebec next season. They had already done all their advertising and they didn't want to change everything. Totally okay with that. Yep. This these leagues, this level is a lot of fun to watch. Get it if you get an opportunity, take the chance. If you're a soccer fan, watch it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Your turn. Um, sad news uh, from the Montreal Canadiens with uh, another oh. great passing away, Guy Lefleur. I was trying to think of something and thoughts and prayers to the organization and to, to Guy's family. Um, one of the best halves of all time, you know. Um, there's this beautiful picture of him, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, and uh, I forget the fourth person, but it's just bossy. you're like bossy, right? Like you're just like, all right. <laughs> and Bossy passed away last week. Last week, right? Which is why that that photo was circulating. I know exactly which photo you're talking about. Yeah, you know which I'm talking about, right? Um, but again, thoughts and prayers to uh, one of the best players to ever play the game. And man, like you think about all the pressure that that guy had on him when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. He was following two legends. Two. And he had to be the guy. And not only did he reach that, he may have exceeded expectations, which is crazy. He was that yeah. good of a player. Yeah. And even a better person. By the For sounds sure. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. He will be you will absolutely be missed. Um the good one or fun. Well done. Yeah. That'll do but it. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. That'll do it for our show today. Um, if you want to follow us, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Nick McVicker and at Irfan Mandy, respectively. Also on Instagram at both. If you want to follow the show, it's at Garage Door Sports on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports Network on Instagram, because I've been doing that wrong for the longest time, forgetting that we changed it a while ago. 
we're not talking about wow. it. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. Um, make sure you tune in next week. Hopefully, we will be doing an NFL recap show, depending on schedules, assuming that's what we will be doing, as well as looking ahead to the CFL draft, because that happens the week after on April th- or May 3rd. Lots to talk about. We didn't even talk about the NFL draft. It's happening this Thursday, by the way, folks. Mm-hmm. We, we will not be doing a draft show this year, unfortunately. Schedules did not allow it, but we will have lots more for you coming up next week. Tune in then, and until then, thank you for listening. We'll see you there.